like the stereotype Asian overachiever kid. Like I never got in below an A, which was crazy. I feel as though uh, whenever failure did come, I was entirely unprepared for it. You can pursue anything, but if your foundation isn't the Lord and isn't like if it's based off of something that you built for yourself, it's gonna come crumbling down. Welcome to another episode of the Point of Information Podcast. I am your host, Max Apeda. Guys, we are nearing the end of week four. Um, obviously, we've had we, we're now at a point in this show where I feel like you guys are very much getting the gist of things. But um, but first of all, can we just rejoice in the fact that for the first time in six episodes, we have someone who is not a girl in this. No offense to girls, please. No offense to the girls, but we have had so many girls in a row on this show that I feel like your guys are like, okay, when are the guys coming back? It's been a hot minute. Yes, we finally have a guy back on the show. Thank goodness. Um, obviously, no offense to the girls that I've had on this show. Uh, but but no, I guys, I am so, so freaking excited for the show because we're finally going to be talking about stuff like we do every episode that we haven't talked about yet and stuff that I think is very important to you guys. But the reason why we're talking about this is because my guest today, my friends, is someone who I've known for going back, I would say, probably about three four years. We started knowing each other in a Spanish, cl- in a Spanish class that we did back in high school. Um, he's personally a guy who has his fingers in every single thing. He's an incredibly academic student. He's a guy who's a huge theater geek, a huge Marvel geek, someone who follows music, follows movies, follows sports. Guys, he's he, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. There's no one thing that he puts his fingers in that he doesn't succeed in. And guys, he is someone who actually just recently started a musical. He's a basketball alum. He's a Taekwondo alum. Like the list goes on and on and on. Guys, I want to introduce you to my very good friend. My name, his name is Zachary Magno. Zach, how you doing today? Yeah, it's great to be in the voice call studio vibe i'm having a great time excited to break the streak sorry girl i i I, we you haven't actually talked about the studio but we're gonna we're gonna talk about the studio at some point we haven't we haven't unveiled the studio yet but we're gonna talk about that at some point um but no let's talk about what you recently did um you recently uh following along with a couple of guests that we've already had on the show um, you're someone who is just now starting to get into theater and starting to get into necessarily that little bit of a world. Um, and mostly because you recently starred in a production of Newsies um, just down the block. Um, tell it, And we recently talked about in episode three how Newsies was very much the musical that changed Lily into the person that she has back in the day, long before any major, major musical in this decade had come out. When you first heard the music for this musical, what was your necessary first reaction and what was your necessary look on not just the show, but really just on the entire Broadway genre? Mm-hmm. All right. So, drop in. Basically, um, my experience here in Newsies for the first time was really... <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of anything, really, because um, I, I got a level with you. I never really gotten into the musical theater genre at all um like that side of music prior to joining Sela about uh like six months ago yeah and Sela, if you're wondering is like in a homeschool academy it's kind of similar to Baypack, which we've talked about on the show it's kind of similar to a couple other theater groups but it's mainly a homeschool theater group but you can go ahead yes so uh we had just gotten a hot off the heels production of beauty and the beast everyone knew that track i knew that track i'd been raised um knowing beauty and the beast songs Mm -hmm. and uh sort of transitioned from that phase of familiarity to this brand new show called newsies that i had never heard of Mm -hmm. um and I, i didn't have my feet in the musical theater genre so i didn't know what to expect and uh I think that's why my reaction at first was just a bit sort of like, okay, it's sure. I liked it. <laughs> I, I thought that like, it was similar to the musical that got me, that like even introduced me to the musical theater genre, mm-hmm. Hamilton. I know you guys talked about right. um, it being overplayed and I agree, but it's what got me in the musical theater. What? And I was like, the energy's there. It's like sort of kind of, on par, and that's what I was the most excited for heading into Newsies. Not necessarily uh, the shiny harmonies and once and for all, or the crispy tap numbers, but more of just um, just energy and just like 
screaming and yelling from right. the ensemble. It was like, this is going to be sick. Right, yeah. And I'm very curious about that because Newsies, first of all, we talked about this in the show previously. Newsies is a show that came out back in the 1990s as a movie, originally starring Christian Bale, and is a movie that um, very much w- obviously was made by Disney. Disney is technically the owners of that film, but it wasn't necessarily made as a musical. It was very much made as this serious story about guys growing up in the early 1900s trying to make a living and trying to really just grow in that sense and grow in that time. So obviously when it came out on Broadway in 2011, it very much was a brand new concept that a lot of people didn't necessarily understand. And it was very much like digging into the Disney vault, you would say. But obviously the success that it had in the original Broadway cast, the success that it had of winning four Tonys, including Best Musical, it was was very much a show that very much landmarked itself. It's personally, I have his favorite songs from the show. I personally didn't put it in my top 10 of the decade, not because I don't like it, but because I feel like there were many more shows that were more influential in theater um, specifically. And obviously, you know, no surprise to obviously you you referencing Hamilton because that obviously changed the game and how we look at theater. But, um, but I'm very surprised though, in the fact that, you know, that the way that impacted the way you were impacted at Newsies was very much gradual over time. Would you say that it wasn't immediate when you first heard the music that you were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But it was like going through the rehearsal process, going through week in and week out, that you were very much like, okay, we could be building something here. And then come tech time, it was like, okay, this this is it. Yes. So um, initially, I would say two weeks in uh, to musical theater class, whenever we're starting production of Musies, all we did was go over music. And that's kind of that kind of um, not knowing the music at first and knowing exactly how it played into the bigger story really formed sort of this disconnect where it's just like, okay, we're singing this. I don't know why we're singing it, but we're singing it. Um, <laughs> and why are we doing this? I don't know. <laughs> at home who aren't Lily McDonald, I imagine she's probably going to just, just catch this episode or something. <laughs> um, who knows? Who knows? There's this uh, this phenomenon at Sale Academy of the Arts that you just explained, mm-hmm. um, where all the theater kids, about a solid two weeks before show dates, they just start going hard. <laughs> like our our director just starts going hard. Our vocal instructor starts going hard. Going everyone, hard meaning that everything is like going full speed. That everyone's like yes. having, like you have to have your lines memorized. You have to have your choreography memorized at this point. Like. That's it's what you mean by going hard? Part of it, but it's sort of like, if you don't have it down by then, we're definitely in trouble. <laughs> okay. Um, so it usually does happen. And it's amazing watching something that um, you've learned sort of just like as like knowledge or a concept. Like, okay, I sing this way for this part of a song. It's amazing watching that turn into uh, just this powerful piece of storytelling once all the stage pieces are in, are in set. Uh, the actors are really getting into delivering their lines. Um, the energy rises through the roof when everyone's singing together in unison and like shaking their fists towards the sky at an imaginary uh-huh. penthouse building that does not exist. Right. It's really something else. Um, and that's sort of when my, the crescendo was completed and my, like, I was like, this is a great show. Uh-huh. I'm excited. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, looking back on Newsies, I think, you know, if for people who are familiar with the show, and if you're not familiar with the show, Newsies is very much a show, I wouldn't say similar to Hamilton, because I don't think you can really compare Hamilton to a lot of things, um, at least in musical theater. You can compare Hamilton things in music, but not in musical theater, I would say. Um, but specifically when it comes to Newsies, Newsies is very much a show that is very much meant for like it, like honestly, you could listen to Newsies music and to put to put this in general terms, you could listen to songs on the Newsy soundtrack and consider them like workout songs. If you understand what I'm saying, that you could actually work out to songs on the Newsy soundtrack. And that's no offense to pe- to the people who wrote Newsies, because obviously Alan Menken, who is a musical genius and a guy who has been involved with Disney for a very long time with Aladdin and Little Mermaid and all these other shows, but I mean. This was a show that very much obviously defied expectations because of what you're exactly were saying, because it brought that different energy. And it was very much not a show that was like emotional and like lonely and depression. No, this was like a show where it's like in your face, like all like all the energies like in like the audience is submersed in energy. And I wanted to ask you about that because it's obviously it's different between falling in love with a show and falling in love with theater. So where in the process do you feel like that you where you felt like that 
you felt so connected with the show that you were curious and you were expecting, maybe this was from friends, maybe this was from your own research, that you wanted to at least see, okay, I wonder what else is out there? What else is going on right now? What else has been popular in the last few years? When when, when did that start happening for you? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I am so happy that you asked that question because there was definitely a turning point for me um, in terms of when I went all in on this musical and just kind of recklessly forgoed um, all of my homework that was due. Sort of like, okay, I think what this happened. It's like, but, I will get you later. <laughs> it, was, it was sort of a build-up. I was like, okay, we're on stage. Everyone's acting. This is cool. But then um, there's this song in the Newsy soundtrack called Seize the Day, and it ramps up from this tiny, quiet whisper to everyone screaming and yelling strike. And yeah. right before everyone starts yelling strike to protest like these unfair uh, working conditions. Yeah. Uh, that space is like da 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 da, and I I was like this is boring. <laughs> so I I'm Davy. I ad libbed just like this yell, just like let's go, and um I like jump I leapt into the air, and this was during just like um like one of our first on stage rehearsals where we had this set everyone was sort of figuring things out mm -hmm. and as soon as i did that i saw everyone just like unify and it was this work of art where i was like wow this is like this is a story this isn't just like a performance like this is i can people in the audience can relate to this and like yeah um, yeah that was the turning point for me in going all in on newsies and i think after witnessing how much i love newsies and how much um Loving Newsies really taught me to love the musical theater genre as a whole because mm. it made me fall in love with the process of storytelling instead of just being like, oh, cool, rap song about the Founding Fathers. It was right. like, the musical theater genre is amazing. And that's, I yeah, that's definitely the turning point. Okay, well, well, here's the thing. I'm Because of the amount of stuff we have to talk about in this episode, I'm not going to let you rank your top 10 musicals of the decade because i don't think you necessarily have that knowledge yet I do not. <laughs> yeah you might have that knowledge in a couple months but not necessarily yet i will check in with you though about that but uh but venturing off on that though because um obviously this was a slow and gradual process for you getting into the flow of things getting into the flow of necessarily how you felt with theater from what i know at least the way you necessarily treat that kind of flow and that kind of gradual urgency towards academics, I feel like is a very different, is a very different, it, you did that in a very different way. Because I think when it comes to your academics, and I know that we haven't talked about academics on this show, and I don't necessarily, and here's the thing, I don't, I, I actually do want to ask you this though on the air, because I feel like this is important, because this is a very important issue that I think a lot of people, especially our age, talk about when we're looking at colleges, and we're talking about applications, and we're not, and we don't know what we do with our future. And we have to ask God, what do you want, what is, do, what is your call on my life? When it comes to your high school achievements, a lot of people have a necessary divide between personal information and helpful information. Because I think a lot of people necessarily are in the divide where it's like personal information, where it's like, I don't want to be put down by your accomplishments because, oh, he's so great. Oh, she's so great. She did all this stuff. Oh, I don't want to hear that. This is going to make me feel horrible about myself. But then it could also be helpful information as we like, okay. I want to get better. I want to learn how to be able to do better. I want to know what the benchmarks are in order to achieve my dreams. How do I do that? What do I need to do? And I need to be able to hear from other people what they accomplish in order for me to recognize what is necessary to succeed. So I want to ask you, where necessarily do you fit on that spectrum? And are you necessarily comfortable talking about your personal academics, your personal academic success? Or are you very much someone who is very cautious about that and definitely keeps it under a low bar? Um, I think that uh, academics has been and probably will be will continue to be something that's at the focal point of my life for years to come uh, mm -hmm. not because like uh, I used to think that it was forced on me and I used to think it was something I was just supposed to do which um, most of us do We mo most of us do think that but okay <laughs> yes um, but for me at least personally like uh, the Lord calls you um, into things that uh, oftentimes are completely left field, right? Um, some, like, I never 
imagined I would be in musical theater and at any point in my life until I was. Um, and I think the Lord has, has taught me uh, invaluable lessons through that that I couldn't gain through anywhere else. Um, and to find that in school is a lot more difficult because I feel as though, um, you know, it's hard to see where you're glorifying God while you're flipping through textbooks trying to memorize um, parts of the, the cell and the mitochondria and how it's the powerhouse of the cell. Uh, learning pre-calculus. See, even I forgot. Guys, I even forgot that. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, it's really a tough process because it, it just feels so disconnected from the creation itself. Like, even the study of biology... Um, at its at its core, if you're studying biology, you are studying the natural world and you are understanding how the creator formed these things into its existence and how he delicately curated everything to interact with each other. So right. it's in perfect harmony. Um, even that, once you've once you've gone through about four chapters of your textbook, no matter how much you like biology, mm. you will burn out and yeah. get tired. And that's honestly I, I, some people that I know have serious faults with the education system, and I could not agree more, mm. but I still think that, um, education is just, like, a passport to my dreams, like, fundamentally, I'm just learning more, I'm in taking more knowledge, um, gaining valuable skills, and, uh, if I do my best in that, then the way I've always seen it is that it prepares me for things like me learning disconnected knowledge from a textbook might not necessarily make me um, like a better friend or a better pastor, or it might not make me uh, a better disciple. Um, mm -hmm. But the act of devoting myself towards that and sort of walking in obedience with, with what I believe that God has for me in the future right. is so hard. Yet I think it's something that, is incredibly important to me and it's so hard to explain yeah really no uh, no i get i could see that like i could see that because i i definitely want to be very cautious with what i'm about to say because i because you obviously gave this to me so i'm assuming you are free necessarily to tell this to other people about how well you didn't how well you're doing academically or how well you did academically in high school so i'm going to put this out there but i want this to like be very clear that this is not necessarily meaning to offend anybody. This is not meaning to put anybody down. This is only meaning to help other people. Okay. So my friend, you are a national merit scholar. You are someone who recently got a 1440 on an SAT, which to a lot of people is going to raise a lot of eyebrows. Um, you are someone who has participated in student government, in basketball, in Taekwondo, and is a two-time homecoming king. You are someone who has all these other things and people are going to be like, oh, there he goes to UT. There he goes to Harvard. There he goes to Yale. There he goes. There, there, he's out of here. He's gone. But I want to ask you about that. Do you ever feel like that sharing those kinds of details, do you ever feel like that that will necessarily give assumptions to people about who you are? And you, Because I, I, I personally, if I had those accomplishments, I'd probably be a little bit more cautious about sharing that stuff because I wouldn't want necessarily people to assume that I'm this super nerd genius. But I want to, but I want to ask you because you do have those accomplishments. What, what, how, how much do you value those, and how much do you value those now, looking forward? I guess when it comes to how you interact with people and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, as followers of Christ, we're called to reach out to the lost and proclaim His good word. Right. We're called to minister and we're called to uh, reach out to those outside of our areas so we can spread the good word, be good disciples, and be good brothers and sisters. And there's such a divide created, I think, at times by um, circumstances that people see about someone or like um, like someone's accomplishments that they may feel intimidated by or like uh, just like sort of, I can't find the right word for it and I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm not going to say it, but right. I just think that uh, oftentimes it's so hard to be a good disciple, um, uh, if those if if there's that divide academically where the person's like, 
oh, he wouldn't be able to understand me because he's never had to deal with, like, the sort of, like, right. uh, academic struggle that I have. Right. Or he'd, like, never understand what I'm going through because he's never tasted failure in his life. Right. Um, sort of that sort of thing. And um, while sometimes I, I like to think that stereotypes are often, or at least almost always, formed on some type of general truth but stereotypes themselves i think are like not a complete uh, representation and like that's what a stereotype is at its right. core um so it's just hard uh i think in sharing um i say if i if i i got a 1440 uh, to my closest friends, like I got, a, I I got the news that I got a fourteen forty while newsy show dates were still going on, right. and I wanted to tell my closest friends. I wanted to be like, "Hey, you've seen me work so hard for this. Like, I, I got it. I, I did it." Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much discretion in sharing that as to just not make it seem like I'm basically flexing over them. <laughs> exactly. Because um, I want to cultivate like a relationship, and I want to there to be that connection and. Um, uh, as much as academics can be used to sort of add like an ounce of credibility so the person I think sees you uh, or like takes your words more seriously mm. or um, or uh, just like weights, weights your, uh, your advice more heavily mm. it can also be like just some like a polar opposite magnet right mm. and it's tough finding that balance it really is I think when it comes to sort of reaching out to new people, I usually do not disclose that right. unless they ask for some reason. Right. Um, so, um, but, that, but actually, I want to pause you there because I feel like that's yeah. very important, though, because you are now addressing about this information, and I spoke word of that information to an audience of people to, and I just, and, I, and once again, I'm not going to try to flex here when I say this, this podcast has been heard in more than 24 states across the country. Um, we, we have had, and it's been incredible how response we've had from this show. So I want to ask you about that because you were just talking about how incredibly difficult it can be to discuss that information. Why do you feel like then you would want to discuss it on a platform like this? And why do you feel comfortable, I guess, to have that kind of conversation? I think that, uh, it's, um, so often, I think a common tactic of the enemy is just getting you in your own head. Like, I think that's, that has been a struggle. That has been something I struggle with, not necessarily like a mental disorder or anything like that. I wouldn't say I'm in that realm and I'm blessed to not be in that realm. But I think that, uh, oftentimes I get so stuck in my own point of view, um, that I think that that's the only way could ever be like, that's the only way anyone could ever think about something. Ever or like that's the only perspective anyone could ever have. No one is going through the same thing that I am, um, and I'm like disconnected from the world around me. Like, yeah. Um, but I think that uh, generally, I think it's horribly unwise to be like, "Hello, I'm Zachary Mac. No, I have a fourteen forty. Nice to meet you." <laughs> now, that's not what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> Comma. I think that um, in some certain cases uh, where, say, uh, like both ends of the spectrum, whether it's another sort of friend that is high academically achieving but is struggling through some like deep mental stuff and like entirely burnt out, has lost sort of sight of why they're doing what they're doing and they just feel obligated to do so. I feel like as as a brother in Christ, it can be uh, a very very uh a very good opportunity to sort of offer another point of view and share what i've gone through and like sort of the process that i work through and even on the opposite end of the spectrum where there's someone who's completely burnt out from school doesn't see the purpose in doing so and is just like completely turned off from the idea of education i think that um using proper wording of course not (laughs) off proper discretion comes and wisdom from the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I think that having um, uh, having those arbitrary numbers that should don't really mean anything, having that sort of um, behind my back in order mm-hmm. to share my experiences and my perspective from school, um, 
all those other uh, academic realms can, uh, I've seen that sometimes help um, in other people's lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'm very happy for that. Um, and just to like quickly last, to try to tie a bow on this, um, you very much said that you obviously, you want this to obviously help people. There are obviously people listening probably who may, I don't want to say feel intimidated, but probably feel like, oh, well, that's good that he has a 1440 or that's good. He has all this extra clears and that's all. That's good that he's excelling in all these different things. To the person out there who is in eighth grade, who's in ninth grade, who's in 10th grade, maybe they feel like that it's too late for them. Maybe they feel like that they don't think that they are, they need to have to stay up till 2 a.m. every single day in order to get to where they want to be academically. What is your advice to them from a Christian standpoint, I guess, on how you can, you can say how you did it. You can say it in a more general way, but what necessarily do you think others could necessarily learn from what you've accomplished necessarily and how they can necessarily apply it to what they want to do, regardless of whatever dream they have? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that if you're going for, uh, like, if you're going for a high, or if you're pushing for that really high outstanding test grade, or if you're really like, I, I need to pass this class, right? Everyone can just know, like, it, it helps so much when you refocus on what you're doing it for. Like, why are you pursuing this? Why why do you want to accomplish this goal? And if Christ isn't at the center of that, you will fall flat so, so many times. And this has happened to me. I, I remember the first time um, I, uh, I would say seventh through ninth grade, um, I, I was very much closed off in my own bubble because I never, uh, I was like the stereotype Asian overachiever kid, like I'd never gotten below an A, which was crazy. Right. Now, back on it, um, and whenever I felt like, like that was great, cool, whatever. But I feel as though uh, whenever failure did come, I was entirely unprepared for it. Like mm -hmm. it hit me in the face like a pile of bricks, right. and I didn't have learn to. Um, I realized that like the way I was validating myself was entirely based off of this one pedestal of just, oh, I always do great in school. And even though my, my brain was blow, completely blowing it out of proportion, like that 160 on that test was not going to end my entire career, right? Mm. Um, I think it taught me a, a valuable lesson that is uh, you can pursue anything, but if your foundation isn't the Lord, and isn't like if it's based off of something that you've built for yourself it's gonna come crumbling down and it's only a matter of time until it does and that's like the harsh reality that i've had to face multiple times over studying for the sat studying for that gruesome biology final um really scraping by to pass a san Jacinto dual credit class uh but that's the, but that's really the key is putting christ first and putting that through your studying and if you do that that's going to lead you to where you want to go yeah and it's 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 such a blanket statement i know it's just kind of like oh yeah just put christ at the center of it all that's just how you do it mm -hmm. uh, i know that's not a very practical solution right. um but i don't think i can give a solid concrete way to just be like oh yes like pray this amount and like meditate on these verses and you'll get buy a there. planner or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Buy a planner, buy that, buy that, uh, that Bible journal. Um, it, it's, it's really just, I really do believe that, um, Christ has the different process for everyone working through school. Not everyone, not Jesus is not calling everyone to get those 98s and to get those hundreds. Um, I mean, I could quote whatever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. You, you've heard that all day, but, uh, I think it's definitely a process that uh, in order to please the Lord, you just have to work with him through it. I think that's the way that you can offer the most excellence. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that that's so well put, honestly. And I think for a lot of people, yeah, you can honestly identify that with like, oh, that's a blanket statement. I don't really necessarily know how that's applicable physically. But I think necessarily hearing that, um, that's definitely something that I can necessarily apply applicable to in my life because 
all I'm going to say is I definitely have a much lower SAT score than you. Um, and I definitely am someone who's definitely going to be trying to apply those skills um, in more ways as if I wasn't already. Um, but anyway, um, like most episodes, we went to a serious point. We went to a low point. We went to somewhere more serious and authentic and real. But now we're going to lift up the energy again. We're going to lift up the energy again because a lot of stuff, here's the thing, a lot of stuff is happening in the world right now. And a lot of stuff is happening in the world. And we've had a multiple people on the show have multiple different aspects on what's going on in pop culture. Some people are very knowledgeable about what's going on in pop culture. Some people have lived their whole basically high school life under a rock, which is totally, which is totally acceptable, by the way. It's totally relatable. If anyone has ever been homeschooled ever, we we've we've all been in your shoes on what it's like to have that, <laughs> to be in that scenario of being locked under your room. But I did want to talk about this because you did tell me that you were a big, big fan of one of, I don't want to say one of Disney's, actually, I actually will say this, one of Disney's biggest extensions of their empire, which is Marvel Comics. And obviously what, and, and obviously we all have opinions about Marvel. We all have diverse opinions about that. Um, personally, my personal opinion, because this is my show, so I'm going to say my opinion the way I say it. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in my opinion, has been, over the last 20 years, the most successful movie franchise, in my opinion, ever put together. And not, I'm not going to say ever put together because I know The Lord of the Rings won Oscars. And, like, Star Wars has won. Star Wars' influence on pop culture has obviously exceeded so many people's expectations. But the way that Marvel makes movies is they don't make movies to surprise audiences. Marvel makes movies to sell movie tickets. And the way that they have been able to do that in an unprecedented amount of time of basically making movies that is basically one long TV show. Because that's what the MCU is. It's one long TV show. It's one long TV show that is brought over two and a half hour episodes over the course of what is now 13 years. And I wanted to talk about where we are currently in the MCU because just had obviously probably a very groundbreaking film in Shang-Chi which is very much a film that I think a lot of people are very much trying to get to know. Obviously, kind of similar to Black Panther. Not saying that Chung chi is going to win Oscars like Black Panther did, but we're going we're gonna to find out about that later. But obviously, everyone's got in their minds what's going to be happening one month from now when a lot of people will be going back to the movie theater for the first time since the pandemic. Um, because I know a lot of people have been like debating, you know, should I go back? Should I not go back? Is the movie not important? This next movie, guys, is going to be worth everything and is going to be worth all of the importance and i think we all know what movie i'm talking about because that movie is spider-man no way home but i wanted to get your thoughts on it man like what are your thoughts on spider-man no way home tom holland obviously has said that this is quote and i have the quote right here the most cinematic comic book movie in the history of comic book movies. No, no, he said that. So with everything that the MCU has already basically put out there and has said that we are the face of the game, we are the gold standard, we are the bar. What should you? What do you? What do you expect from Spider-Man: No Way Home, man? Ah, uh, okay. First of all, I have to preface. Uh, my expectations uh, for Spider-Man with the fact that I'm probably going to see it with, like, my buddies for their birthday party, or someone's birthday party, right? Oh, that's good. Uh, so it's definitely a different environment than seeing it by yourself, like, in oh, the yeah, cinema. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I think uh, because of that, because I know what I'm going to see it and who I'm going to see it with, I'm sort of, I don't have heavy expectations for the movie but i just want to say that i think that tom holland spider-man is um phenomenal like i think the way that he plays spider-man is so funny and it's not it's not necessarily like a masterpiece of marvel and acting he's not necessarily like he Im completely embodying the character but i think the one thing that tom holland has done incredibly well in uh his um his time as spider-man is really just reaching down and embodying what it means to be that teenage superhero right? right what it to be a kid and have to like shoulder the the yoke of responsibility um great power comes your responsibility man yeah like just tom whenever i first saw um tom holland's rendition of spider-man i was like this guy's just like me <laughs> like, yeah right 
teenager. And it's it's amazing seeing, I think, at least for me, coming from a fresh perspective, not having, not, um, not necessarily having paid as much homage to the older Spider-Mans. Mm. Uh, I think it's refreshing seeing uh, such a different take to it that I think works and sticks really well. And at least sells tickets. Right. Spider-Man makes bank. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He indeed does. And, you know, and I really like the point that you did point out because that's what Spider. That's how Spider-Man became such a groundbreaking art, a, a groundbreaking pop culture figure in the comics. Was because he was not Batman or Superman or Iron Man or Captain America, who was this. You could be me too if you eat your green vegetable. Like you know, he wasn't this guy who we all had to look up to. He is like, hey, you, yet nerdy kid who only reads comic books. Guess what? You can be that guy because that nerdy kid is Spider-Man. So in many ways, it's it's very it's obviously been as inspiring as it has, and obviously, rest in peace to Stanley who has made all of these incredible characters come to life in the in ways that I don't think that I don't think he even imagined when he first put them to pen and paper back in the 60s. Obviously Spider-Man No Way Home is obviously going to be hyped. But the reason that it's getting all this hype is not only because it's really the first big movie we have since the pandemic. But this film is very much being hyped as the fact that every that this is not only the conclusion of this Spider-Man trilogy, but it's really the conclusion of the entire time Spider-Man has been on film going back 20 years. So with the fact that Alfred Molina is coming back as Duck Ock, with the fact that Willem Dafoe is coming back as Green Goblin, with the fact that Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro, and with the fact that there have been rumors for more than a year of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back and having this be like Spider-Man, 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 like, wait, you haven't heard about this? No, dude. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So, oh my gosh. I can't believe you don't know this. So, but there have been rumors like going around for basically a year plus that Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire are going to be in this movie. They haven't been in a trailer. I have seen like my entire social media feed is conspiracy theorists who legit are like saying like, for example, there was a TV spot in Brazil where like Lizard was getting punched by something, but it was getting punched by something that wasn't there. Like it was invisible. So people were thinking, guys, they edited out Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's actually punching Lizard. But they just edited it in because of the CGI. Because if we know anything about CGI, it's gotten crazier and crazier over the years. Yeah. But, but honestly though, like, what would your reaction be if it was? Because and because I, I know a lot. Of, like, there's rumors that Venom's going to be in this movie. There's rumors there. There's there's all these other things. So if there is this, if this movie ends with the fact that all three Spider-Man come back, and it's Holland and McGuire and it's Scarfield, all three of them against a series of villains that have gone over 20 years where it's actors coming back, actors coming back to like characters coming back to life after they were dead and like having to explain all that, but how this was kind of like a tie on the bow of what Spider-Man like has been on movies for all these years and how it's going to be all three Spider-Man against all the villains. Dude, if that happened, oh man, I'm just thinking about the possibility. Like you asked me what, like what would be your reaction in the theater in your seat? And I, I honestly think I'd get kicked out. I honestly <laughs> no, we would all get kicked out. out. It, opening night's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's it's going to be a rock concert. <laughs> to me, I feel like that scene, um, well, I don't know. Well, I can spoil Endgame, right? It's been, you've had no, no, no. We, we, and everyone's seen Endgame at this point. Okay, we can talk about yeah. it. That moment where Steve Rogers is all alone and then everyone everyone from the mcu just comes around and assembles and bands together finally delivers the avengers assemble yeah i feel like honestly if that were to happen in the new spider-man it would sort of be like a mini end game moment right because everyone's yeah. coming together everyone's just rallying to have this final battle that puts that last little bow on the spider-man franchise and i think it would not only be an incredible piece of uh, cinematography it would also be an incredible send-off for the man the myth the legend stanley um and i i i couldn't look forward to it more now that you've said that I'm like, <laughs> I well now i feel like you're just gonna go on social media and follow all of the leakers that i've been like you know all because there's all because i'm telling you bro there is all of instagram is nothing but leakers and that's why like I'm going to probably all unfollow all of them come the week of the movie because there are like a dozen countries who are going to see the movie before the United States gets yeah. to. And I know that 
everyone's going to be on Twitter like immediately after and just like say, so this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. But anyway, enough of that. We're now going to get into the first time we've had to get the opportunity to play this game with a guy and one of my personal favorite times of the show. And that game is called Flashing Lights. So for Flashing Lights today, I really, really wanted to do something involving the MCU. So because of that, I want to personally ask you, how many of the movies have you seen going all the way back to Iron Man 1? I honestly want to say that I've seen... Okay, my family, my sister, at least, my sister was the one who started the, the Marvel just rush, right? Right. Uh, I think my parents got us into uh, Iron Man 1, and then I sort of fell in love with the MCU, or at least what was beginning to form of it at Captain America. Um, like, that was the first Captain America. Uh, like, that was the one that really hooked me on the MCU. Mm. Um, and I think we've been closely following the MCU ever since. Like, okay. we've had, we've, we've, we've ran the, we've run the gambit. From, we've ran the marathon. Um, we've ran the gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. The Infinity Gauntlet. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on, obviously, in the MCU. So, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to ask you one question. From each of the Marvel products that we've seen, basically, I think I think this list goes all the way up to Falcon Winter Soldier. And but I'm going to ask you one question from each movie, and we're going to see how many you can get right. All right, and this is very quick. You have to yeah. These are multiple choice questions. I'm going to give you time. All right, are you think you're ready for this? Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. We're ready. Three, two, one, go. Iron Man one. In the first few minutes of Iron Man one, what song plays? Iron Man by Black Sabbath, Back in Black by AC/DC. Ordinary World by Duran Duran, or Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? Is it B? Black and Black by ACDC? That is correct. You're absolutely right. Um, all right. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. What does, what does, in the end credit scene, what does Tony Stark say to Thaddeus Ross at the end of the film in the post-credit scene, the first post-credit scene that we've had in Marvel? That he wants to study the Hulk, that he knows about S.H.I.E.L.D., that they're putting a team together, or that Thaddeus owes him money? They're putting a team together, right? That is correct. That's very yeah. correct. Yeah. All right. Iron Man 2. What fake name does Black Widow use when she first meets Tony Stark? Natalie Rushman, Natalia Romanoff, Nicole Rohan, or Naya Robbie? I want to say the... I want to say the first one? That is correct. Natalie Rushman's correct. You got three for three. You're absolutely killing it right now. All right. Thor 1. What does Thor want another of when he's in the diner? A slice of pie, a piece of toast, a stack of pancakes, or a cup of coffee? You gotta go with the cup of coffee. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Another! Yes, let's go. Alright. In Captain America the First Avenger, where does Peggy tell Steve Rogers she wants to meet him for a dance before he plunges into the ice and subsequently dies? The Cotton Club, the Stork Club, El Morocco, or the Copacabana? Isn't it the Copacabana? Wrong. That's incorrect. Uh, it was the Stork Club. It was the uh, Stork Club. All right. All right. Avengers 1. Black Widow returns to Hawkeye that, that the Battle of New York is a lot like what? Their time in Budapest? Their time in Prague? Their time in Istanbul? Or their time in Sokovia? remember Budapest a lot. Budapest! That is correct. It was Budapest. Yeah, you remember Budapest, quite frankly. Alright, here we go. Iron Man 3. What is the name of the little boy Tony befriends while stranged? Well stranded. Harry, Henry, Harley, or Holden? Yo, that's cruel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what were uh, number one and two? Harry and Henry. Uh, I'm gonna go with Wrong, it was Harley. Uh, Harley was uh, the name of the kid. All right, so but so, so far you've only missed two. This is great. Thor The Dark World. Flash. Where do Sif and Volstag, two of the main villains in the movie, hide the reality stone at the very end of the film? On Vormir, in a vault on Asgard, inside Sif's sword, or they give it to the Collector? They give it to the Collector, right? That's correct. In the end credit scene, they do give it to the Collector. Captain America the Winter Soldier. This is one that a lot of people like, like a lot. This is what the Winter Soldier says when he first sees Steve after Steve recognizes him for the first time. Who the hell is Bucky? Do I know you? He's gone. Or what did you say? 
I actually know this because this is a pretty iconic moment. Oh shoot! Um, all right, I'm just gonna. Who the hell is Bucky? That is correct. Who the hell is Bucky? Because he's like Bucky, and he's like, who the hell is Bucky? And like he completely like loses it because he's still in like that warped phrase of like Hydra or whatever. All right, Guardians one. What were the three items Rocket claims he needs in order to escape the prison? A security guard, a fork, and an ankle monitor. A security band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg. A pair of binoculars, a detonator, a detonator, and a prosthetic leg. Or a knife, cable wires, and Peter's mixtape. I think it's mm, the security guard, right? And the prosthetic A security leg? band? That is correct. A security yeah. band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg. That is correct. Avengers Age of Ultron. This is one that a lot of people underrate. What word does Tony utter that makes Steve say language? Crap? The A word? The S word? Or idiot? It's the S word. That is very correct. We have been clean for every single episode of the show. We're not going to change that yet. It's going to yep. come. It's going to come. We don't know. All right, here we go. Ant-Man 1. What animal does Darren Cross unsuccessfully shrink? A mouse, a sheep, a duck, or a hamster? This is Darren Cross. He's the main villain. He plays Yellow Jacket. A sheep. That is correct. It is a sheep. That is correct. Wow, you are killing this quiz. Captain America Civil War. Who is not on Iron Man's team? Vision, Black Panther, Hawkeye, or Black Widow? Is it Hawkeye? You're correct. Hawkeye was on Captain America's team. Alright. Doctor Strange. What type of doctor is Stephen Strange? A neurosurgeon? A cardiatric surgeon? A trauma surgeon? Or a plastic surgeon? A neurosurgeon, right? He is a neurosurgeon. That is correct. Guardians 2. Finish this line. I'm blank, y'all. Superman, Peter Pan, Underdog, Mary Poppins. That is correct. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yes, that is right before he dies. Spider-Man Homecoming. Who does Stan Lee... What is Stan Lee's cameo? A guy who Spider-Man helps cross the street, a neighbor who is disturbed by a car alarm, Peter's upstairs neighbor, or a guy who works at a hot dog cart? Um, uh, Stan Lee makes a cameo in almost every single film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what worked on number one and two? A guy who Spider-Man helps cross the street, or a neighbor who is disturbed by a car alarm? Also, Peter's uh, upstairs neighbor, and a guy who works at a hot dog cart. I want to guess number one. Oh, I hate to guess. A, a, guy, a guy who Spider-Man helps cross the street. That is yeah. incorrect. It is a neighbor yeah. who is disturbed by a car alarm. Thor, Thor Ragnarok. What is Valkyrie's scrapper number? 3, 16, 142, or 232? <laughs> I hate it here, man. Uh, uh, the last one, I'm guessing, dude. It was 142. It was the third one. 142. All right. Black Panther. What do Killmonger and Claw steal from the Museum of Great Britain? Just vibranium? Vibranium and a mask? A map of Wakanda? Or a map of Wakanda and Vibranium. Vibranium and the mask, because you like the mask. Yes, that is correct. Vibranium and a mask, that is correct. Infinity War. Oh, what elective class did Thor take on Asgard? Learning to speak Groot? Hammer making? Learning to fly a spaceship? Or how to take care of rabbits? He learned to speak Groot. He learned to speak Groot, that is correct. He learned to speak Groot. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Scott hid an old Ant-Man suit underneath a trophy. What did the trophy say? World's greatest dad, world's greatest superhero, world's greatest aunt, or world's greatest grandma? Wasn't it world's greatest grandma? That is correct. It is world's greatest grandma. Captain Marvel. What is Carol's nickname for Monica? Sergeant Danger, Commander Monica, Lieutenant Trouble, or General Moe? I know a lot of people don't. <laughs> There's some movies here that a lot of people don't remember. Uh, is it Lieutenant Trouble? It is Lieutenant Trouble. Wow, this That's is amazing. Marvel, 
Endgame, here we go. This is a big one. Endgame. What is Black Widow's last line? Let me go. It's okay. Tell everyone I. Uh, I think I was crying at this point. It's kind of hard to remember. It's okay? It is, it's okay. It is, it's okay. That's correct. Okay. Spider-Man Far From Home. What necklace does Peter want to buy MJ? A black dial a black Dila necklace, the Leah necklace, a black sunflower necklace, a Saint Christopher necklace, or an NYC Skyline necklace? Go with the NYC Skyline. That is incorrect. It was a black Dalia. The black Dalia is a star that basically means like death. And MJ, as we all know in the first two movies, she was like one who was like dark and emo and blah blah blah. Anyway, here we go. Last two. WandaVision. What is the first line of Agatha all along? Who's been pulling every every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. Who's been messing up everything? Or who's been controlling this whole thing? Who's been messing up everything? That is correct. That is yeah. correct. That is the first line. And then finally, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. How many dog tags is Bucky seen wearing throughout the show? One, two, three, or none? None? <laughs> no, it was two. It was oh. two. But oh. out of the 25 films, you got 19 correct. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. You And it says here, you are a massive MCU fan. Not only did you go see all the movies in theaters on opening weekend, but you've rewatched them several times. So, like, so, yeah. <laughs> so this, this quiz identifies you. But anyway, um, first of all, this, first of all, we are so way over time but anyway that has been flashing lights, flashing lights, lights, lights. zachary thank you so much for coming on the show i cannot appreciate you being here and i'm so glad we had these kind of conversations if you are a marvel fan you probably geeked out if you're someone who wanted to learn more about academics you went you were very much involved if you're someone who's a theater geek you were very much interested and more importantly, we glorified Christ in these last 45 minutes. Zach, where can people hit you up on social media if they want to find you or follow you? Recently got Instagram. It's been a process working through that with the Lord, but it's still fun. Um, it's Z.MangoTango, I believe. Z.MangoTango. Uh, all. all right, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. We're going to be back next week for week number five, guys. We can't. Oh, actually, will this be week number five? No, it might be week number six. I don't know. It's going to be another week. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out of town.